0: Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe, you're listening to Shark by Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Fight Biz. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos, and also during a never-ending pandemic. (laughs) But we have an amazing episode again in store for you all today. It is really, really solid. We're going to talk more about sales. I mean, selling during a pandemic, this thing is lagging forever. Uh, It's pretty important right now being able to adopt your sales and to really maneuver your way through where we are as a society as of right now but not even right now. I mean, it's changing things going forward in the future. A lot of these things are going to be around or more likely it's going to be more of a blend of hybrid about how they were previously. So we're going to talk about all those kind of important things as far as customer service, managing sales cycles, and having a great conversation with really just a rocking woman who was able to find her way basically doing what she loves. And when you get into some high-end sales, I mean, the sales itself can be very gratifying to the person who's selling it. Why? Well, yeah, it comes down to you pretty much helping your customer or your prospect realize their dream. I guess you could say if you were a sales rep, you do high-end luxury sales, whether it's houses, cars, whatever, It's pretty satisfying to get that commission check, but I really think that helping somebody fulfill their dream, whether it's how them buying a home, a car, vacation, whatever it may be, is something that is really going to make you pretty darn good inside. You know, you're going to get all those warm and fuzzy type of feelings, and it's pretty awesome. So we're going to talk about all that great stuff today, and you're probably wondering who is today's guest? maggie ives maggie ives is a result driven licensed real estate associate with 30 plus years experience in port royal and old naples an area with the most billionaires in the u.s customer relations consumer sales corporate sales and the ability to deliver outstanding client services her expertise lies in selling clients high-end Luxury real estate. She possesses a natural repertoire of dynamic qualities that set her apart and enable her to successfully procure the goals of the discriminating buyer or seller she represents. Maggie is a licensed community association manager and a member of the Naples Area Board of Realtors. All the billionaire fans out there, I know you're watching Elon Musk. You've got to make sure you give Maggie a call. So, without further ado, I'm gonna shut up, and we're gonna bring Maggie on in here. Make the sale, Maggie. Welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You are now Shark <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no
0: problem. What do you think of that tagline? I, I just started using that. It came out of the blue after I recorded. 50 episodes, I came up with the, yeah, you are now shark bait, and people started laughing when I said it, and I was like, okay, I'm going with it. I love it. I think it's hilarious. It's great. Uh, that's good. That's good. So on this show, we have a tradition. The very first question, it's a softball question. What's your experience? What's your background? What's your expertise? In other words, what makes Maggie, Maggie?
1: Wow. What a wonderful question. Thank you. Oh, yeah. My name is Maggie Ives. I work with uh, Premier Sotheby's International Realty in Mm -hmm. Naples, Florida. I handle residential real estate. I was born and raised here, actually in Fort Myers, which is about 30 miles from Naples. My family had a bookstore, an independent bookstore, started in 1961. I grew up in that
0: are they still open
1: by chance they are not barnes and noble came in 1999 to our town and we closed about three months later
0: um that's so rough i mean those big stores whether it's barnes and nobles amazon walmart i mean I, I think they're a bonus because you can get a lot of stuff from those places that you probably couldn't get in you know a smaller shop like the bookshop but it does have that adverse effect then, that everybody does goes there for all that stuff,
1: and it's such a double-edged sword. It is. We were the second largest independent bookstore in the state state of Florida when we closed, so we were quite large, but we still um, could not could not stay open. My mother, my father had passed mm-hmm. at that time, oh, saw sorry. the writing on the walls and started sending books back that fall. But I was in complete denial. I was just like, what? No, no. So anyway, she well, it sounds anything. like she
0: was ahead of the curve and the bookstore went out on her own terms. It wasn't like it was a forcible things, you know, it's that's I guess there's a positive way to look at it.
1: Well, one day we had customers and one day we didn't. <laughs> so it's okay, like, OK, the OK. But and the it interesting, was
0: forced a little more.
1: <laughs> it, it was. But now, if you know, Barnes & Noble stores are closing kind of all over. And it's going back to the smaller, independent bookstores where you know everybody. And so there's a trend back. But we're not going to open a book store. That's
0: interesting, though, because I kind of see that uh, circle kind of happening now where a lot of these stores that put out the mom and pop stores out of business are actually at risk because the new generation of buying e-commerce stuff like that is putting them at risk and it's kind of like hmm, how do you like yes. it now
1: <laughs> exactly right
0: yeah yeah so uh-huh. sorry about that that was interesting i want to touch on that because you, you you know you were brought up in the entrepreneurial
1: spirit and that's obviously had to have a big impact on your life absolutely huge i i say i'm the daughter of a merchant I grew yeah. up, you know, with the, as soon as I could stand, and was a toddler, I would look at the paperback bins and I would match the pictures underneath or the pictures up there and I would fill the bins in as I walked along. I mean, we all grew up in the oldest of four. We all grew up working very, very hard in the bookstore. Just that was our entire living. So, you know, you had to. That's great though. That's good stuff. That's, that's great. So yeah, let's hear the rest, of,
0: uh, the rest of your intro story here. Let's find out more.
1: So I've just always been in sales. I, um, as I said, I worked in the bookstore. I found that at age eight, nobody was taking me very seriously. So I became a children's book expert and I stayed mm-hmm. in the children's section. And so I connected people to books for their kids and just kind of from there. I think my main talent is connecting. So mm-hmm. connect, now I connect people to homes, be it their second, third, fourth, or fifth home. But I'm a very good listener and um, just grew up helping people connect to what they needed. And so it's real estate is a perfect fit for me. Yeah, so.
0: no, that, that's interesting though. So I want to ask, as I told you earlier, we've had a couple real estate people on the show and they mostly do for first time home buyers or uh commercial property stuff like that why is it that you went into the market for second third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth uh homes for some of these people instead of going t- more towards the first time home buyer it's
1: a great question I was hired by a builder here in Naples to open up their estate management division. They there mm-hmm. were two younger gentlemen who bought the company and they realized that they were building multi-million dollar homes but had nobody to run the homes. So mm-hmm. I knew one of the owners for a very long time and he hired me and I came into this market, opened the division and ran it with a team. And then I'm my background is sales and we got pretty big and it was just kind of too big. And so they wanted to downscale. And so I had my license for a long time and I just moved right over into residential real estate in Naples. So that's, yeah. this is just it's my- kind pot. of what
0: you felt comfortable with, right?
1: It's a good niche for me. I'm very um, concierge oriented, service oriented. I understand working with teams. So often if you have a millionaire or a billionaire, you're working with the team So you're working with the assistant and the lawyers and the accountants, and you get to, usually when you meet the principal, it's really at the very end, if at all. So you have to be able to navigate a group and get everybody there. And I'm just, I'm- I'm So you're trying
0: to tell us that you sell to very rich, famous people.
1: Not all the time. (laughs) Not all the time. Not all the time, but um, I treat all my clients like they're Very rich, famous people. So like I treat my guests on Shark by (laughs) Piz. Exactly (laughs) right. Exactly right. Very welcoming.
0: Yeah. So with the with sales. Okay. You had the sales background. You said that you love sales. Have you sold anything else besides books and housing? Was there just a growth experience there? I mean, tell us that background.
1: So I went from books when we closed in 99 to um, Mr. Scanlon had just bought the Lexus dealership in Fort Myers and he asked Mm -hmm. me to come and work for him. So I worked at Lexus. Um, There were just 10 of us for a long time, about seven years. And then I was hired away by two doctors who owned um, thousands of acres of palm tree farms. So Mm -hmm. I sold their palm trees and that's when I got my license and I helped them buy land and wow. looked at that did both and then I said so that's there, the origin pat- story
0: right there yeah <laughs> that's great how
1: so did then you i like then selling
0: here. how did you like selling cars i mean I, I had a little dip in there when the economy was really really bad i think about 2009 2010ish and i i could do it it was really easy but ultimately i just didn't like the car industry
1: So I was very lucky. I worked for Lexus, which was back in 97 through 2006, certainly. It was Uh very small, very concierge, Uh um, high-end. It's the same a version of what i'm doing now where like somebody at lincoln or toyota was moving 30 vehicles i moved 10 to 12. so it's just much right. smaller so i really loved it and it was a great training ground for listening dealing with millions of different scenarios understanding budgets and um being able to react rat quickly it was, it was i'll good, give you credit because people.
0: even with Even with me, I mean, even though I had a lot of that sales training up until that point, well, sales experience, I do think that that gave me some good training into starting to close higher priced items that weren't, you know, just a thousand two thousand bucks i mean you're starting to get 20 to a hundred thousand dollars so it kind of gave me that exposure of how to close that work with the budgets i totally agree with you and you know even things I, i think people forget that that even things like that where i was only at that place for maybe like uh two buds uh and i had enough of it but it did have an impact that really helped morph me into who i am today
1: yeah, seriously. How long were you with car? How long did you sell cars?
0: Uh, it was about two months. Two oh, months. I oh. mean, it gave me the thing is, for? though.
1: Who, who did you sell for?
0: It was it was a Chevy dealer in huh? rural Pennsylvania. The um, economy was so bad at the time, I actually left Mexico to go back home to Pennsylvania for a few months. And when I was out there, uh, you know, I just needed a job real quick, and I got that with... I did good in the two months that I worked for them. I sold 48 cars, which in this place in Pennsylvania was like really good. It was, it was way, I don't want to sound like totally bragging, but it was just, it was just too easy. Like it wasn't a challenge, but it did teach me some of the things about working with the budgets, meeting the payments amount, stuff like that. The math work, I guess you could say about it, but the actual process of the sale, it wasn't challenging. Like I felt that, you know, I was just wasting my days cause I had, I, I could do so much more than just do car sales. Mm-hmm. No, I,
1: underst- I understand. I yeah, understand. it was yeah. great. It was great. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So do- Let's jump into the real estate market right now. I don't know if you've seen this on the news, but there's this, uh, pandemic i think they call it have you seen about that
1: i have i have
0: <laughs> <laughs> the industry for i mean you do a lot of times second third fourth fifth homes and with that i mean is it hard because people aren't going on vacation like they used to you know travels more limited i mean even in the beginning of the pandemic you had states saying that, oh, we don't care if you actually own a second home here. If it's not your primary resident, you can't visit the state. I mean, did that impact your business at all?
1: So, we it, COVID definitely impacted our business, but to the good, people started flocking down here. They wanted mm-hmm. to get out of New York, Chicago, Boston, St. Louis, California. And so, Many our market has completely exploded. It's a seller's market. Um, mm-hmm. they, everybody wants to move here. They want sunshine. They want warmth. They want space, um, mm-hmm. and everybody's. A lot of people are working remotely now.
0: Right, right. Yeah, space so... is is an important topic because we were just talking about this the other week. And if we were in Los Angeles yet, and we had a nice home in Los Angeles, but. If we were out there with how minimal space we had for our whole family in that house, I don't know how we would have made it through this pandemic. We would have been bonkers. It it would have been horrible. Luckily for the same amount of rent that I'm paying, I was paying out in LA now in the Philly suburbs. I mean, we have a house that, you know, it's like, 10 times as big, which has really allowed us all to have our own little spaces, do our own things. Kids can play in the yard outside. And I, I think the space thing's a very important factor that people are looking for right now.
1: 100%, 100%. Um, so, and then, you know, the tax benefits are wonderful here in Florida. So people, we've just seen a very big surge. We've seen prices rise on our homes. Something that was three hundred thousand is now four hundred thousand. Wow! So mm -hmm, we've been very—I've been very busy connecting people to a home, a second space, a third space. Really working hard on that, and we're seeing financing. I've never—we've never—it was always cash, thirty-day close, cash, twenty-day close. Everybody's financing now because they can get two point three. So now we're seeing sixty-day closes, forty-five-day closes. We're dealing with the praises. So you're
0: talking if you work with a millionaire, somebody that obviously has the cash, more than likely to buy a house. You know, they have thirty million in the bank. Mm-hmm. They can spend the 1.2 million on their uh their house there on the beach. So let's say they um I mean, they're actually financing it because of the interest rates and holding Correct. on to their cash.
1: Correct. All of them. All of them. Cash flow is pretty important right now. Pardon me?
0: I was saying cash flow is pretty important right now because, I mean, we still don't know where this is going with the pandemic. I mean, now we got these other variants and it's like, could the economy get worse? So I, I can see the value. I mean, with me and my credit cards, even though I have the cash, I've been running up the credit card bills and then just paying it off so that if we need the cash because... Whatever reason, it's like okay, I got a little nest egg.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. It's un- we've never seen anything like it. It's really crazy right now with the financing, but uh, that's that's just the way it is down here. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, that that's some good stuff. So when you're working with your clients and stuff, uh, selling them how you do the sale, how you sold this time last year, compared to how you sell now is probably a little bit different. How has it changed or evolved for you?
1: So it's all on this this client, it's all about assisting them. They are the hero, I am the guide. They lead Mm -hmm. the ship and I assist them along the way to get them where they wanna go. A lot of them already have properties identified through, for you know, different looking in the paper, looking on the internet. So they'll send me properties that they're interested in, and then I curate and I find properties that are not on the market yet, other properties that they may have missed, other things that your secret listings. On. Well, just you just I spend a lot of time talking to other agents. I find that they're my very best resource. Ever, I talk to all of them, and um, so then you curate for them, and they fly in and you show them the different properties, and you assist them, but you stand back, you listen to them. Mm -hmm. My clients are CEOs, I mean, they're CFOs, they're they're very smart. So it's my job to get them in front of the right lawyer if they need the right lawyer, the right title company if they need a title company, the right estate management company to come in once they close, Mm -hmm. to work with their team. Um, My role is very much assisting, guiding, helping in any way I can to get them where they need to go. So this is,
0: you just brought up an important point. And a lot of people don't realize when you get into, I guess you could say higher ed sales, whether it's real estate or like I do with technology, when you look at the definition of a sales rep, what you're doing, I mean, a lot of what you're doing is directing traffic. And and I think people kind of don't always realize that, that for you to be successful, you have to know what pieces to pull in. You have to coach them as far as say this, not that, and you're basically managing the sales cycle by pulling in the experts when you need it while your job is just to build the relationship with the client and pull in the
1: pieces. Well, very well said. Yeah, that's that's how I work my business model. So I have an incredible contractor, an incredible estate management team, an incredible gentleman that I work with in the field, um, two great assistants, a great lawyer and assistant, a whole team that works with me, yes, to get them where they need to go. That's my job is to surround them with the best. I don't want to be you know, I surround myself with people that are much smarter than I am in yep. their field. You're,
0: you're the traffic director. You're, you're directing traffic and mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're the gateway of who that client sees on your side and you're figuring out the pieces of the puzzle.
1: Yes, the buck stops exactly with me. That's exactly how I sell. That's, that's it. it, stops it, with me. It, if it doesn't go right in some direction, it's my fault. Everything is my fault. It is, it is, I take full responsibility for everything. Yeah. Happening. You've got to take ownership of it. And all- I think, I, I
0: think right. a lot of salespeople like, That's exactly how I sold. So when I go into a deal cycle, Mm -hmm. I am, you know, like the chorus director, I'm directing everything. And it it really, I call it kind of like relationship selling in my, my mind because my job is to literally just build the relationship. And I find that if you're giving your clients the value that they're looking for, you know, and you're managing this sales cycle pretty easy. I mean, sometimes the only way that you might have a hiccup is with uh you know the financial situation if it's way more expensive than what you know they were willing to pay and you can't bridge the gap but it, if you do it right i mean it makes sales i think pretty easy because you you're giving them everything they need you're you're fixing their problems you're solving their solutions you're showing them value and as long as you're building a relationship like I don't know. I mean, to me, it's not rocket science. I've always found that to be very easy and very natural.
1: To sell. Oh yeah. Yeah. So
0: would you say that's your unique angle against your competition? What do you think kind of gives you the edge out there? I,
1: I think what sets me apart is that I'm very team focused and i bring anybody to the table that will serve my clients my ego right. is in the back i never ever think somebody's stepping on my toes i i pull them in i promote i get them where they need to be i very disciplined emotionally i don't angry. Uh-huh. i don't i stay very tight i listen more than i speak um, and they, the client is really my hero. They are my focus. And it's, they always are looking for homes for their families to bring down here, their uh-huh. grandchildren. And that is families are everything. And so I'm so focused, you know, on that. But I think it's, I think it's not having a big ego, just being able to step back and bringing in people a lot smarter than I am in their fields to assist the client to get where they need, to go. is a big thing. It is. I think it is. too
0: many people get a little arrogant and they let their ego take a control of them and they end up losing sales cycles because of that. You know, the only person that ever sees my ego, my boss, because I'm bragging to them about how much I'm kicking butt. That's <laughs> it. I would never show. I'm going to have confidence with a customer, but I'm not going to... Um, you know, show my ego or anything, unless it's a uh, you know an honest, full blown joke or something like that that they'd uh, they they could tell. Uh, but I mean, what's your take on that?
1: Um, I just they they just they are the show. I am not the show. They are the mm-hmm. show. They're what's important. Um, and I just think staying grounded and a lot of meditation and very focused and disciplined. On, and staying concentrated on them and what I can bring to them and serve them to get they and their families where they need to go is really um, mm-hmm. something that I do best. And it didn't come easy. I'm a talker. Right. I talk very fast. I get very excitable. I have an excitable quality to me. And right. sometimes I get more excitable. Well, you look, you look super
0: excited. You look thrilled right now. <laughs>
1: Sometimes I get like, ah, you know, I get very excited and they need to get excited. And so I've really had to work on my personality to calm that down and, you know, let them get excited and really work on standing back.
0: You just brought up an important point there. I think a lot of people, when they're in business, it doesn't really apply just to sales but i guess it does because you can get happy years with sales and you end up doing i think knee-jerk reactions because of emotion okay for whatever reason it is and then you're like oh my god i just lost the sale i am such a dummy and that could have been prevented because you just got too excited, whichever way, and uh, you ended up blowing it because of a knee-jerk reaction. Yes, have you experienced
1: yes. that? Yes, and trigger, or they'll trigger you, or somebody's acting like your mother acted when you were seven, and you're like, ah! which that is. <laughs> I've done so much work um, on disciplining that, understanding myself, controlling that, maturing to that very self-aware. Um, So it's, it's, it's been a journey, but it's good. It's, it's, it, it lets them lead. It's not about me. It's about them.
0: Right. Right. So while we're talking the same topic, then I think a good question, I'd love to hear your answer on is what was something you learned along the way that you wish somebody would have told you earlier?
1: Oh, so so many things. Give me your
0: top three. Give me your top three.
1: Um, I mean, it's litigious. You cannot believe how legal being in real estate and transactions. It is so legal. You can get sued Mm -hmm. in every direction by another realtor, by you know, that can report you to neighbor, by a client, by a lawyer. I mean, you need to understand the law or at least enough to get you there. So I did not realize how legal this was. And and um Oh, it is so serious. I didn't understand.
0: Does that mean that you wish you probably would have taken like a a few business law courses? I do. I do. I'm working
1: to catch up and I'm learning and I have a very close relationship with the real estate lawyer and I, and I, and I go to neighbor as many classes as I can, but I just didn't, I mean, it's yes. It's very. I mean, when you're able, so like
0: with me and our contracts with here. Luckily, I did take some business law. I thought that was really important to take some of those courses, so that way I can negotiate contracts, stuff like that. And with what we do, I mean, we could be talking about a multi-million-dollar tech project, for example, and you know. There's a lot of terms and conditions on that. You know, you're talking 30, 40 page contracts. And the their lawyer could be redlining stuff like, Hey, what why did you redline that? It doesn't make sense. And then I have to have the conversation to where it's like, hey, you actually don't want it like this. And this is why, because it contradicts it right here and here. And that's going to create a problem. But what I found is the fact that I'm able to have those negotiations makes our contractual process so much easier, so much faster. Because then when I give it to our lawyer, I mean, he already has all our accepted uh, changes. He has to do very minimal tweaks. And it's like, bing, bing, boom. I got the updated uh, finalized contract for them. It's helped us advance deals a lot faster. Do Do you do anything like that?
1: I do. I do. And I work, and I have a great lawyer and he goes over inspection reports and Uh um, I do. And I would also like to say that I wish somebody had told me sooner. And while I've done it in the last couple of years, I wish I'd done it sooner. Other realtors, no matter who Uh they work for are an incredible asset to your business. And I think as important as your clients, treating them with respect, talking to them in the field, you know, I just I wish I had understood sooner that they can help so much. And I try to give back to them as much as I can when they call me or they do a great job in development. I write emails about them to their developer. I I try to give back as much as I can, but other realtors are huge, huge.
0: That's important. Giving people praise. I mean, especially when you're working in a team and stuff. Uh, I point out where my team has, you know, they have moments that it's like, Hey, you can do this better. Tweak this, tweak that. and I don't do it like, hey, i'm I'm riding their butts or something like that. They know that it's coming from I'm trying to make them better. I work with some very, very technical people and you know, their minds in project management, black or white, and I give them things that like, hey, you could do this better, but when they also kick butt and are rock stars, I'm making sure that I'm praising them and blowing them up in front of everybody. Uh, to, to I don't know. It just kind of creates more of that personal relationship to where they really enjoy working with me, and I think they work harder for me because of that.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, we're all humans out here, and mm-hmm. everybody's doing the best that they can. They're just everybody's right. trying as hard as they. Oh can. yeah
0: so Same. we only got a couple of minutes left i want to bang through a couple quick questions with you um first one is you know again going back to the pandemic everybody's business plan marketing plan all that stuff got thrown out the window in march <laughs> of 2020 now we've gone into 2021 knowing the situation so i think it's a little bit better for businesses this year because it, it's not like one day to the next this happened i mean we're kind of more prepared for it. I think everybody has planned for the worst, but they're hoping for the best. So in terms of marketing, how have you successfully cut through all the noise of everything that's going on right now to be able to, you know, promote your unique service that you offer and really just stand out in front of the competition and in a crowded marketplace too?
1: Uh, I hired a gentleman, Chris Reed. He has Arbor SEO. and Oh, yeah. Chris has been on the show. Oh, he has? I'll have to listen yes. to him. He's wonderful. Uh, I hired yeah. a company. I heard him on Jerry Metcalf, who is, that is one of my goals, is that to get uh-huh. big enough so I can be interviewed by her. That's a big 2024 goal. Um, oh. So he, I realized towards the end of last year that I needed to pivot, that we were going yeah. global um, real estate wise, especially in the area that I am in, and he and his team are designing a website for me that yeah. will have the builds in the back end, does exactly what you know he says. So it will people, if they Google Naples or Naples waterfront or they will be drawn to my website. So he builds a whole I know he says the
0: SEO in the background. Yeah, I I would say for anybody out there listening right now, if you want to get more details about the SEO stuff like that, make sure you check Chris Reed's interview out. It's Chris with a K. K-R-I-S and then it's R-E-I-D. I Mm -hmm. I think uh, he's around episode 30 or so, but he is in season one, check it out. And you can get a lot more detail about what Maggie's speaking about right here.
1: And if you're a realtor listening or anybody listening, if you wanna reach out to me, I've had a couple people reach out to you, call me. I would tell you what it's been like onboarding with them, working with the team. My website should go live next month. We've just really taken Mm -hmm. our time with building it. Um, But that's really what I did to pivot. It was a big, big financial commitment. And um, Mm -hmm. everything's going. Everything is going.
0: Do you think that you've got your ROI from that yet? Or are you on track for the ROI on the investment part?
1: Not yet. Okay, because it hasn't
0: fully rolled out or did it roll out? Okay, okay, okay.
1: So I I will roll at sometime in February. So if you want to have me back towards the end oh, of the yes. year, I will tell you how it's going specifically. Yeah, that that this. would be awesome.
0: Um, that that would be a really awesome case study to have you on here and and talk about how it has changed your business. And hey, I do appreciate the. Uh, the honesty and transparency because uh uh when i asked you if you got your i i forgot that you just said that it was rolling out and uh you know she's telling you how it is so i think she will definitely uh give us a true story and no fluff about that but we like hearing how the digital transformation for people like you has actually helped their business so this will be great to have you back on um i guess let's uh wrap up with uh two questions here the first one is you know you're out there you're solving problems for your clients in the mm-hmm. real estate market okay let's paint a picture for the client i mean what does their life look like after you've solved their problems
1: they're in a beautiful home or condo in naples florida with a refrigerator full of amazing food. And beer. (laughs) And beer. (laughs) (laughs) And they're staring at the ocean or they can walk to the ocean and their family is laughing and smiling and um, they're relaxing in this warm, beautiful weather. Fifth Avenue is very much like Maybury. It's elegant, it's quiet. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, just lovely to be here. Very little to no crime. Um, so it's just a quiet place to bring your family and friends and great restaurants.
0: Um, Ooh, I'm such a foodie.
1: So and every street goes right to the Gulf, you know, every condo looks at, mostly looks at the Gulf or the Bay. So it's just yeah. lovely here. If you're zooming, if you're sitting at home in your office, you know, zooming looking at a wall, call me.
0: <laughs> get yeah, you an definitely. ocean view. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the pictures behind you and I'm like, oh man, life goals right there. Life goals. So you just said that they can call you. That's my second question. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. How can
1: people reach out to you? Well, you're welcome to call me 239-910-2581. Mm-hmm. Or you can email me. My name, Maggie.Ives at Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, sir, com, You can certainly and Google Ives me. Ives is spelled I-V-E-S. I-E-E-S. Yes. yes, my family's right. Irish. We came over yeah, in the potato yeah. famine to Canada. <laughs> so my mother's Canadian and my father's Irish, so
0: anyway. Here's a potato story for you. I always thought that potatoes were from Ireland, obviously. And did you know that they actually originated in Peru? There's like 4,000. Yeah, there are 4,000 different types of potatoes all down there in Peru. I lived in Peru for a year. And then basically, I guess maybe with the conquistadores, stuff like that, that's when they ended up bringing potatoes back to the new world. And I guess Ireland was like the perfect conditions to do it, uh, to grow potatoes. And that's really when it all blew up.
1: Oh, my gosh. Great story. Thank you. I did not know that.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the benefits of living in uh, Mexico for 15 years and uh, Peru for a year. So oh learned I lived in cool one history. place
1: my whole life, right here. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I might have tried. If I had house like uh, behind you, I probably would want to live there <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> But hey, Maggie, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I'd love to get you back on in the end of this year and talk about how everything went with the digital transformation.
1: Okay. Thank thank you you again.
0: Wow. That was an awesome chat with Maggie, right? First off, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, If it sparked some creativity inside of you or something else, please do me a favor, smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. And if you really want to do me a solid, okay, you got to share this out. Share this video out, or if you're listening on the audio versions, share the audio version out. In every description, you can see almost everywhere this podcast is listed. We're talking iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, iTunes. Uh, I might have said that already. But you get it. It is verbal. That's a new one. V-U-R-B-L. I just found it. They actually listed this show there. And it's got a pretty cool platform. I'd suggest check it out there and uh, subscribe. But like I was saying, do me a solid. We're trying to build that community. Like-minded business people, okay? Uh, so please share this out there share the audio version of this podcast as well too let's build this community let's get all of you people on the show eventually and most importantly let's get maggie trending maybe Sharkbite bite biz too let's try to get them both trending okay <laughs> thanks now let's get back to our rock star of a guest maggie She is so awesome and has really an incredible story to back her up. I love her career growth from luxury cars to luxury homes. I mean, to me, it's a natural progression, I think, because you're working your way up to bigger ticket item, you know, from very expensive cars to uh, that you're probably selling to almost the same type of clientele that you would with very expensive properties. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome a few points of interest though that i really had from the convo with maggie i wanted to point out luxury sales or if you're selling at a farmer's market doesn't matter there well okay i lie if you're selling on a farmer's market yeah it does matter but if you're doing simpler sales like maybe cell phone sales something like that uh there's going to be a lot of that same philosophy of what we were talking about in this interview. And I think one of the biggest points that Maggie brings up that really hits home to me is that she is very team focused. Think about this, you're managing a sales cycle. I'd say a good portion of the sales, you know, you don't have to be real super technical. I don't think people expect you to know every single detail of everything yourself. After all, people realize, yeah, You're the sales dude, or the sales girl, or whatever it may be, okay? Your job is really to manage the sales cycle and conduct the choir, okay? You need to put your ego aside and really do what's best to service your client. I've seen countless deals lost just because sales reps, well, I don't want to bring this person in, you know, or I don't want to do this with them. Like why, dude, you're the sales rep, you're still getting the sales credit, you get all the glory, but you really, you know, need to work as a team to bring that all together. I really think that one of the biggest weaknesses that sales reps have is when they want to control everything and anything the client wants. And I I think that is something I cannot say much. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, you know, They may want to be the one that answers every question. I I get that. And it is true. As a sales rep, you do need to control the sales cycle. But, and this is a big but, you need to. And this goes back to Maggie's excellent point. You need to trust your team and have a strong team around you. I view that your job as a sales rep is to tell your team to say this, not that, to the prospect. Coach your team on their personalities, how they do things, stuff like that. You know what I mean? And basically get them up to the level of where they know the background info that they need to know, and then put them in front of the client. Working as a team also builds confidence with the buyer because they're going to feel like, hey, the lone gun out there, he's out there slinging wares or whatever once you know uh he's just out there on his own okay you're gonna lose that and you're going to get the the customer the prospect to really feel that your whole organization is there to help that client feel good to achieve their dreams and essentially they'll be handing you that big check so today's question of the day on YouTube, it's going to be an easy one, okay? Uh, and remember, I, I say comments for YouTube, but many of those podcast uh, companies out there that host Shark Biz, they all have comment sections as well, too. Not all of them, but a lot of them do, where you can leave comments on episodes. So put it out wherever you are. All that engagement's good. It helps us build the the show and helps more people find it. So today's question is, what is the largest sale you've ever made? Are we talking thousands, millions? What about tens of millions? Let the dollars flow down in the discussion below. And again, I just wanna keep doing this. Two final quick shout outs, okay? One, my articles on Forbes, check it in the description. You're gonna have a link to my first full-fledged article on Forbes i really want to get it over a thousand views we're at a couple hundred right now i think we're probably around halfway there so let's try to get it up there to a thousand views and number two do you want to be a guest on this show you have a good story to tell you want to talk sales philosophy marketing philosophy business law philosophy you want to tell us about how your business has changed during the pandemic and when i say change here's a good quick story Uh, You may have seen I've had some rockier shirts on sometimes, which, by the way, today I'm wearing a Shark Bite Biz shirt. Make sure you check out our Teespring store and grab one. But I've had some more rocker-type shirts. There was this company that was on. They were pretty much selling to rock stars that would go perform concerts, stuff like that, stage clothing. And it's really, really cool clothing. But there's no concerts going on right now. Okay, and it's like there's no concerts, they're not buying the clothes. So they've actually had to change their whole business model to actually do business to consumer sales instead of business to rock star sales. And that's pretty cool. I want to get people on this show that have stories like that. If you have one, shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. I will put almost anybody on this show, give you all a platform, because there is something that everybody out there can learn from everybody. And I'm going to find a way to squeeze it out. of <laughs> So I look forward to those emails. I look forward to seeing your comments. Don't forget to buy the shirts or you can get the coffee mugs, stuff like that. Beautiful Shark Bite Biz coffee mugs all at our Teespring store. And once again, remember, I'm David Strasser. This is Shark fight Biz. We'll see you guys next episode. Cheers.